uh, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter one, we we have this uh, kind of moment where Jesus is meeting with his disciples. Now, keep in mind here, he's gone to the cross. Uh, this is after the resurrection. Uh, he's spent 40 days with them and he's promised them previously in the gospels that he is going to leave. But after he leaves, one would come who would fill them with power and enable them to do greater things than even he did. And, and we're heading to this moment where Jesus is, is literally about to ascend up into heaven. And there's this kind of final interaction that Jesus has with his disciples. And, and it's very significant. This is essentially the, the birthing of the New Testament church. But just before the birthing of that New Testament church occurs, here I want to just kind of hone in on an interaction that Jesus has with his disciples. So Luke, who recorded Acts or wrote Acts, uh, writes this in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. He says, Then they, being the disciples, gathered around him, being Jesus, and asked him, so the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, are you going to uh, come to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, it's a really fascinating question that the disciples ask Jesus. Now, keep in mind, the disciples have been with Jesus for a long time three and a half years or so that they've been following him. They've, they've heard Jesus teach and preach. They've seen him perform miracles. They've had lots of time to spend with Jesus, for Jesus to explain the reason for his coming, for him to uh, help them fully grasp the, the significance of what he was trying to accomplish uh, in coming and establishing his kingdom. And the question they ask just before he's about to leave indicates to me, it indicates to us, it indicates to Jesus that they don't really get it. They ask, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? See, there was this tension amongst God's people, uh, the nation of Israel, the people of God. They weren't a nation at the time. Uh, the Jewish people, I guess, is a better way of saying it. <clears throat> and the tension was this. For so long, Israel had had this nationalistic view of itself. This, this sense that, that God's desire, his, his primary passion for them was that they would be elevated to a place of status, of value, of worth. And it was, a, in a sense, a political vision that they would be restored to greatness, not in the eyes of God, but in the eyes of the world. That the world would look at Israel and see a great nation. And the reality is the disciples were missing what Jesus was saying this whole time. They thought they understood, but this question indicates that clearly they didn't understand. See, Jesus didn't come to establish an earthly kingdom. He didn't come to establish an earthly nation. He came to establish a heavenly kingdom. His kingdom wasn't one that was ruled by kings and rulers and leaders. It was the kingdom of God as Jesus established it was the places where he had rule and reign. And when we look at Jesus, when we look at his ministry, here's what we see. We see humble beginnings. We see uh, a humble servant. We see one who comes to forgive sin. We see one who comes to heal the, the leper, to, to raise the dead, to welcome in the stranger and the outsider. And there's this sense in which Jesus' kingdom is so different than the image or the vision that the disciples have for his kingdom. It's really striking. And, and one of the things that, that we have to wrap our minds around is that so often the work that God wants to do in our life is so different than the work that we actually want him to do.
One of the things I love about what God has done through the story of West Village is that, at least for, for my family, but I know for many others, he has absolutely blown up our paradigm for what it what we thought it meant to be a disciple of Jesus. I know for me, even having worked in a church for so long, I equated following Jesus, like it, like it had a start time and an end time, you know? Like I, I would go to church on Sunday, I would participate in church activities and church events, but, but there came this point where at the end of the day, like I sort of like clocked out. But as we entered into this journey of church planting for, for our family, like we, we just kind of had our paradigms blown up. Like we realized that like, this, this was gonna take all of our life. This, this wasn't a, a nine to five, if you will, but this was like Jesus was asking for everything that we had. And, and I remember early on, even before we started to gather core group, even before we started to meet as a church, I remember looking out at our city and, and having this kind of sober moment where I realized that the vast majority of people in, in Victoria, they're not looking for a church. I remember having some real distinct, vivid moments where I was sitting with uh, you know groups of friends. I remember one night sitting uh, in, in a gymnasium, playing basketball with a bunch of people that I'd gotten to know. I remember sitting there and just hearing the Holy Spirit ask this question of me, what would it take for these people to show up to a church gathering on Sunday? And I realized the answer was like, it's probably not gonna happen. And so what happened as we started to gather people, there was kind of this sense of anticipation that we all started to have around this idea of what would it look like not to have a church where we would ask the city to come to it, but where we would be the kind of church that would try and go to the city. And I, I just remember sitting here in this room with this small group of people, but this large vision, like it was almost as if we weren't planting just a church, but we were asking a completely different question. What would it take to change a city? And, and in those early days, it was raw, it was, it was very, unrefined, it was very real, but it led to this kind of dynamic amongst us all where we, I just, I just remember like we had parties all the time and, and, but we would party and, and I remember taking vacations with people. I mean, we still do a lot of these things, but, but there was this sense that, that the, the authenticity in our relationships, like there was, it was like, there was like this intimacy amongst us all. And it was beautiful as we saw people welcomed into like this raw, real community. I mean, actually in Acts chapter two, Luke talks about this, where he talks about the church, like they met daily in the temple courts, but also in the home, they broke bread together, they devoted themselves to one another. And we saw that, we actually saw that happening. And at the end of that section of scripture, Luke actually writes that daily, daily the Lord added to their number. And we were seeing people just being absorbed into our community, non-believers coming to faith, people meeting Jesus, people getting baptized. And it was absolutely amazing. And, and over the last 11 years, um, one of the things that has brought me the most joy uh, is to see people have an encounter with Jesus. And I, and I don't simply mean non-believers having their first encounter with Jesus, but I have, I have loved seeing over the last 11 years, Christians having what, what I would call a third conversion. You know, their first conversion to Jesus, their second conversion to his church, but this third conversion where they start to see themselves as missionaries. I mean, over the years, we've had lots of people move to the city of Victoria. We've had lots of people join our church from other churches. Um, and what happens is they, they might come to West Village and think, oh, I, you know, I, I, I'm here because I, you know, I like the preaching or I like the music or I like the kids program or my friends that go here. But our heart has always been, we, we want 
the Christians to see themselves as missionaries to the city. And what, what I have loved almost more than anything is when, when there's people who love and know Jesus and they get that vision. And they move from being the types of Christians that I was, that you know, we go to church on Sunday, to actually seeing that their lives, their lives are to be poured out to the, to the city of Victoria. They're to be poured out to Jesus. They're to be poured out to lost people so that they could come to know Jesus in the same way that Jesus has made himself known to us. Hi, I'm Brianna and this is David. Um, we have three kids, Rhea, Ruben, and Elliot and we've been going to West Village for seven years. David and I started coming to West Village um, about seven years ago. David was asked to drum, I think, by Nathan. So I came and checked it out and we were dating at the time and actually West Village was doing a marriage series. So we thought we'd stay for that series and yeah, we were looking for a different church at the time. Uh, so that when we came to West Village, it was the community that we really sunk our teeth into. And Church for me, before being a part of West Village, was something that was almost there to serve me. And there was a kind of a mental shift that occurred where it was kind of like, I'm here to serve, um, to serve the church and to, to be a part of something, part of a family, part of something greater and to be on mission with with these people that are alongside me, being a part of a church changed to being like part of a family and um, wanting to be more more involved. So we got involved with serving teams. We slowly started getting introduced to like what it meant to be like hospitable and like hospitality. Like having someone over to your home was like almost foreign like you would have to you know make sure everything's totally tidy and clean and make sure you know you got a big house and you gotta have like a really good meal all this stuff and we were like introduced to the fact that like you know like have people in your home have non-christian homes have christians in your home have people in your home and, and it's something you practice and that's something that we've adopted like and and grown into 2000 and probably 16 or 17, something like that. Brianna and I are feeling pretty angsty about like the future. Okay, how do we raise a family in Victoria? Um, how do we actually own a house? You know, maybe we should just like leave. Maybe we should just go to a, a cheaper town uh, like Powell River where Brianna's parents are from and they still live there. So we'd have help with the kids and we would we'd have you know, like a nice cheaper small, housing. cheaper housing in a small town, like all those things are like yeah. are good. Um, but uh, for some reason, like you know, I, we would both feel very strongly this is a thing to do, and we'd tell ourselves like God is calling us to Power River. And then other days, I would just lie on the couch and just like I, I like honestly couldn't move of so much anxiety about like if something didn't feel right. I remember it was after a service at West Village Saanich and we had announced, oh, I think it was during Ruben's dedication, like, hey, and we're thinking about moving to Powell River. Kind of asking for prayer. Yeah, asking yeah, for prayer, like, uh, we're having a hard time with this. And Chris, you came up and said, hey, hey, like, I heard you might be going to, might be moving, like, whatever decision you make, like, we're praying for you guys, but like, just take one thing into consideration. Don't take like a gospel-centered church, like for your family for granted. The next day, I think we just spoke with up and we looked at each other and we're like, I feel at peace about staying here, do you? And you're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'd also had a conversation with like some women in in the church as well that were moms that had been moms longer than I had and 
just talking about how important it is to, to be a part of a church that's preaching the gospel and is pushing you towards mission, is discipling you. And they're like, if you think you'll have that in Paul River, then, then awesome and great. And if you're being called there, then great. But it caused me to think, like, would, would we have that? The answer we landed with was, no, I don't, I don't think we would have that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we both felt um, that God was calling us to, to stay in Victoria. And God has provided for us. We were in a little two-bedroom basement suite. Now we are in co-op housing, and it's not like it was, you know, someone blessing us with a million dollars because we stayed or something. It was um, every step of faith that we've taken, God has has provided for us. I think if you asked us like two years ago, three years ago, if we would be um, leading a CG right now, we would have laughed because, I don't know, we always had it in our minds that we just had to be more experienced or more uh, spiritual or <laughs> or like some I was super like, oh, Christians. I'll do it when I'm like 50 years old. That seems like I, you know. Then then you know I can lead well when I'm 50. You know, yeah. I, I, you're gonna be a mature <laughs> like oh, yeah. <laughs> but God kind of put this calling on on our hearts for the people on David's floor at work. Um, he works at uh, Victoria General and um, he's a nurse there. And God's just been opening doors for relationship um, there, just in conversations during night shifts or whatever. Um, yeah, we felt this calling to, to be on mission to them and we thought um, it'd be so neat to bring a CG alongside us to co-mission with us. I'm excited too to see our kids watch us be on mission and to grow up with that as a value in our home. So so back to Acts chapter one, um, in, in, in verse seven, Luke records this. He, being Jesus, said to them, being the disciples in response to their question, uh, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the disciples asked Jesus this question, when is the father, uh, when is the kingdom of Israel going to be restored? And Jesus responds like, hey, hey, listen, that's a good question, but don't worry about that question. We got, we got bigger uh, things to take care of. And he says, the reality is the Holy Spirit is going to come. And Jesus promised this was going to happen. He promised this in John's gospel. The Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to fill you with power and you will be my witnesses. And he uses a very specific word there when he uses that word witnesses. When we think of the word witnesses, we often think of it in terms of like a court uh, scenario, right? Like a, in the legal sense of the word, like somebody who would uh, be a witness to an event. They would then go to court and they would give testimony to this thing that they have witnessed. And what Jesus is saying here is that the Holy Spirit is going to come in power. And the result of the work that the Holy Spirit is going to do in you is he is going to allow you to be a witness to Jesus. In other words, you are going to give testimony or tell the truth about an event. Which event? The event of Jesus. The, the reality of the, the life, the, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the second coming of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to fill us with power. He's going to empower us to go out and to tell the truth to the world about who Jesus is. In John's gospel, where, where John is um, giving, painting a picture for his 
his vision of the Great Commission where Jesus sends out his disciples just kind of before this Acts chapter 1 scene happens. He, he says that uh, Jesus looked at his disciples and he said to them, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then he did this. He breathed on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And there is this reality that we as Jesus' people have been filled with his Holy Spirit. And the reason we have been filled with his Holy Spirit is because he is sending us. In the same way that Jesus was sent by the Father, we have been sent. And in the same way that Jesus was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, we are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. In the same way that Jesus was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and sent to, to be a picture to an unbelieving world of what God is like, we too are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit in the same way that Jesus was sent, in the same way that Jesus was sent to tell the world what Jesus is like. And for us at West Village, for the whole time that we've existed as a church, we have believed that we are the sent people. We are missionaries, full-time missionaries to the city of Victoria. And for us as a church, this, this reality of being missionaries radically shaped uh, our story and our history as a church. I remember early on, like as, as has been said many times, we, we started meeting out here uh, in our living room, small group of 20 of us. And then uh, over time, the church grew quite quickly, actually. We moved from, uh, from our living room. We started meeting on Sunday nights at the Forge Church in the West Shore. And that just didn't feel right. And it was time for us to move again. And we started to meet. We were looking for spaces to meet where we felt like we could actually be immersed, like, like right in the community. And so one of the first places that we started, when we started to meet publicly that we met was uh, in the old Caprice Theater in Langford. Uh, I think it's a, it's a Dollarama now, but we met in this movie theater. And it was like, this is where the people are. And then, and then shortly after that, the, uh, the West Shore was starting to grow and uh, buildings were going up everywhere. And we discovered they were going to be building a Cineplex Odeon. And we thought, this is where we need to meet right in the center of the West Shore, a new building, a place that everyone was gonna know about, a place where everybody was gonna be familiar with. They would know how to get there. They would know once they got in, if they wanted to leave in the middle where the exits were, where the bathrooms were. It was even a space they were probably gonna be hanging out on Saturday night, the night before we gathered there as a church. And so we thought this is where we have to be. And so we, we signed the lease, we, we moved in. And I mean, it was, it was quite a big deal at the time. I mean, I, I didn't think much of it to be perfectly honest, but we had people like, calling us, wanting to get more information. We had newspaper uh, reporters showing up to our public launch. We had people writing articles about us in the paper and on the news. Uh, and, and it was kind of this big deal. But for us, it wasn't just about being in a movie theater. I mean, that, it, was some, it was some, you know, a, a cool factor, if you will, to meeting in a movie theater, as lame as that sounds now. But, but it was this reality that like we were right amongst the people that didn't know Jesus. That like, as we are meeting in this building, at times there are other people in other theaters watching movies that we would come out and it was like, let's go and be the church. Well, guess what? There's the city right there. They're right in the same building as us. What an opportunity to put on display the love and grace of Jesus because we are the sent people of God. And again, in the, in the early days, our church was just full of, of young people. We had, mostly young couples at that time. I, there was just a few kids. It was our 
family that had kids, a couple other families that had kids. But sh shortly after we started the church, I mean, it was like, you know, we, we joked and said our, our, our mission statement was to be fruitful and multiply because it just seemed like baby after baby after baby. Uh, but that's still the case, right? I mean, we, we just keep having babies uh, nonstop. Uh, it's just kind of been the MO for our church. But all these families are having babies. All these moms start doing playgroups and, and they start going like, hey, this is an opportunity to invite other moms into these playgroups. We got dads going to the pub for beers and inviting friends out. And it was this reality that we, we just knew that we had to live as missionaries to the city. And again, the church continued to grow. People were meeting Jesus. Things are happening. The spirit is working. It was just, just a sweet time. And I remember this one story. I remember one day and again like one of the things the common threads through the west village story is like it's just god's grace because i honestly had no idea what i was doing i remember one day i get this phone call uh, from this gal in our in our church and she said hey chris i have this friend um she's a single mom she's in need uh, does the church have any money that we can give her and i'm thinking you're like you have no idea. We have, we have nothing. Like we don't have a building. We like I don't even know how long this thing's gonna last. Do we have money to give away? No, we don't have any money to give away. And I would like to say that it was this like moment of like strategic thinking, and I perfectly laid out the DNA of what our church was gonna look like. And so this was always the plan from the very beginning. But in that moment, I didn't really actually know what else to say. I'd also love to be able to say like I stopped and thought and prayed about it, but I didn't. It was just sheer instinct. I. I I said to her, I said, hey, I've got an idea. Like, why don't you just ask your community group if they can help? And she's like, yeah, that's a great idea. And that's what she did. And it turned into like this beautiful story of a group of people who like rallied around this single mom. They like helped pay off a bunch of her debt. They helped take care of her family. They helped like put food in the fridge and in the cupboards. They started to love her. Eventually she came to know Jesus. She was baptized and it was like this beautiful picture of what it actually looks like when the church sees herself as as sent to the city, as, as a missionary people. And, and I will say that I think that that story laid a foundation for the DNA of our church, that we were actually the church that we were the ones who did the ministry. We were the ones who led the ministry. We were the ones who funded the ministry. And it was because of that moment, that group of people led by Jesus to love this family in a particular way that has led to an unending number of stories. We have seen over the years, we've seen uh, families adopt orphans. We have seen families participate in foster care. We have seen people house other people, give away obscene amounts of money, purchase homes for other people, love, share, give, sacrifice, serve, sell property and possessions and give to anyone who has a need. Because we actually have believed that the Spirit of God is in us and He has sent us to our city as God's missionary people. My name is Jenny Ray. This is my husband, Caleb, and we live out in Souk. Uh, so we're living in a motorhome and we're just traveling across Canada. Uh, we're going festival to festival. We own this giant inflatable ball called a, a Zorb. We were renting that out to festivals and winter was coming. So we thought that uh, we should probably settle down somewhere for the winter and we picked Victoria and we found a place online 
in Souk, which we had never been to the island, so we thought it was in Victoria. <laughs> we made our way out here. Yeah, we made sure uh, our rental was month to month because we wanted to make sure that we weren't here long term. We were planning just to be here for maybe six months and then jump back in the motorhome, get the Zorb going again and head to the next festival. So we've been in Souk for seven years now and we got connected with West Village through a mutual connection I had through West uh, Youth for Christ, Lindsay Hodges. We, we arrived here yeah, in, in November, late November. Didn't know anyone on the island and we came to West Village for, for the first time, uh, I think probably early December or midway through December. And uh, our first time being there, people came up to us and invited us to their house for Christmas. They didn't know us at all, but, but they invited us over. And so we went and kind of out of that, we started building our first community and uh, just being part of that gave us a, kind of a new picture of what community means, what it looks like. and One of the big things we wanted to do was find work in the community that we were living in. A lot of people commute from Souk. Uh, the first job I was able to find there was managing an A&W and it was kind of fun because I got to work with a lot of high school kids that were working there and then just some other, yeah, other people that had been in the community long term and it was kind of the local watering hole for at 6.30 in the morning for coffee time. So I felt like I really got to get to know the heart of the community a lot. Um, got to see that it was a community that had a lot of needs and um, that there was yeah, lots of opportunity for us to kind of serve throughout that. And so um, again, we connected with Lindsay Hodges and was just seeing um, what um, opportunities could be there maybe through Youth for Christ and uh, we got plugged in with volunteering at one of the elementary schools there. Uh, oh, the middle school actually. Yes, the middle school. Um, and we were going on lunch hours just hanging out with the kids and getting to know uh, just again a deeper heart um, for of what the community was about. I started volunteering with the fire department out there. I think through that we kind of just made made some inroads into the community. Actually, the couple that, that took us in for Christmas, we became part of their CG for a little bit. And then before too long, kind of the, the leadership of West Village asked if we'd, we'd start gathering people out in, in Souk. We didn't know that many people from West Village out in Souk, but we, we started gathering a few people. And, and before long, there was kind of a core a core group that was meeting pretty pretty consistently. It was growing even when <laughs> we didn't feel like we were doing anything special or anything great, but just having having a community that was focused on Jesus. And it just felt like God just started opening doors for uh, mission. And so there was one lady part of our who was part of our community group that was connected in with one of the elementary schools there. She was very good at connecting with tons of different moms throughout that elementary school and um, just started inviting them to our community group. So we had a handful of them coming to the, our community group, but we noticed that there is a lot more connections that weren't comfortable coming through into the uh, Monday night potlucks, which was often our kind of entry into the community group. So we. Um, we're looking for opportunities to go out 
and meet them in areas where they were comfortable. So we would do uh, ladies pub nights where we would go to uh, Buffy's pub. Sometimes we had about like 30 ladies out doing karaoke and just having fun. Uh, we did clothing exchanges, lots of beach days where we just go and hang out at the beach um, and just looking for opportunities to connect in with the ladies and the moms in a space that they're comfortable with. So in Acts chapter one, at the end of verse eight, I know we read this already, but I'll read it again. So the beginning of verse eight, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And, and Jesus here is giving kind of this picture of concentric circles that get bigger and they get bigger and they get bigger. But really what, what he's trying to articulate is this picture that, that he has for, for his people, that they would essentially fill the entire earth, that, that the world would be filled with Jesus's people. Uh, we, we knew for, <laughs> from the, the infancy of our church that the goal was never to fill the Cineplex Odeon. That's never been our, um, our, our definition or picture of what success looks like for our church. We, we have always known that, that we wanna fill the city. We, we want to see the city of Victoria filled with God's people. We don't want to see a whole bunch of people coming to a building on, on a Sunday morning. Although we think it's great to come to a building on a Sunday morning and to sing and to, to hear the word of God preach and proclaim, to take communion together, to, to laugh and to see one another and to celebrate God's work across our city. But we know that it is, it's so much more, that Jesus' vision for his church is so much more. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14, which is a verse we talk about quite a bit, um, uh, in, in our church says this, that, that um, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord would cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. How do the waters cover the sea? They cover it entirely. And Jesus' picture for his church is that she would cover the earth. That just as we have been filled with the Holy Spirit, sent out as witnesses, test, giving testimony to the reality of Jesus, that the church would fill the earth, would fill the city of Victoria, empowered by the Holy Spirit, being witnesses, testimony, giving testimony to the, the beauty, the wonder, and the grace of Jesus. Paul uses this analogy, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians of the church, he, he talks about the church as the body of Christ, of which Christ is the head, and, and the, the body of Christ fills everything in every way. And the picture we get from Paul is that that we are the ongoing incarnation of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is in us, Christ is the head of the church, and we are his body, his hands and his feet. That when people encounter us, when they encounter you, when they encounter me, they are actually encountering Christ. We are not Christ, but we have been sent by Christ. We are filled by the Spirit of Christ, and we give testimony to Christ. And when they encounter us, they encounter Jesus. As you, the years have gone on, I mean, we started with this small uh, ragtag bunch of people, right? Not sure what we were going to do, but we had a lot of vision. And now we're just a larger ragtag group of people. And this is what we say we want to see. We want to see every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus and his church through word and deed. That wherever God has placed you, that wherever you live, wherever you work, wherever you go to school, whatever corner of the city of Victoria you are in, it is the desire of Jesus 
that you would know that you are sent there by him that where you go the presence of Christ is and that those people every time they encounter you are having an encounter with Jesus and his church it's a beautiful picture of what Jesus wants to accomplish through us uh, and by God's grace over the last 11 years one of the things we've been able to see is many lives deeply changed and transformed by Jesus. We've seen marriages restored. We've seen relationships restored. We've seen reconciliation between people. And we've started to see what it looks like when gospel saturation occurs. If you were to go downtown, downtown looks different because of broken ministries, which is the direct result of our church family recognizing what Jesus is doing. But one of the things that has brought me more joy than anything else is to see when God interrupts a story, when, when he comes in and he just invades someone's life and he changes and transforms them, and as a result, they are changed. As a result, their children are changed. Their grandchildren are changed. An entire family tree, an entire family legacy is changed and transformed because of the work that Jesus is doing. But what I love even more than that is when it doesn't end with just one family. When that one family gets a picture for what God wants to do, not just in them, but also through them. So hello, I'm Mark. This is my wife, Jessie. We've been involved with West Village for... I've been there for seven. Seven years. She's been, been involved for seven years. I've been involved for probably five and a half. Growing up, I didn't have a lot of exposure to the Bible or to church, but as I started getting older, I had a lot of people in my life who started really talking about the Bible and going to church and like, posting it all over Facebook and like really putting it out there. And I was like, okay, what, what's this about? And then Mark, I was with Mark at the time we were dating and uh, he deployed, he sailed for nine months with the Navy and the military sets you up with like this big group, that big support group of all the families that are, that are part of uh, that deployment. And I met this lady, she was very bubbly and outgoing. Her name was Jolene and she just invited me to come to her house. Okay, there's something about this lady that's that's really draws you in. You know, I was like, okay, well, that's cool. And she started talking about this church she was going to. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, shortly after that, she said, well, you've been starting to ask questions, Jesse. I'm like, yeah. Well, how would you come? This group of people I'm with, they're, they're gonna be studying what's called the story of God. You can ask all your questions that you've got. Sure, why not? This sounds like a really good, good time. So I showed up uh, ready for a Bible study. It was like coming home, walking into that, into, um, it wasn't a meeting. It was a group of people getting together just to talk about Jesus. And there was kids everywhere. And they were yelling and screaming and everybody's eating and food's being spilt on the floor. And it reminded me of Boxing Day uh, at my grandfather's and my grandmother's that we went to every year. And it was just love and excitement. And it was, it was good. It was a real homecoming. Everybody was so open and they were so willing to share and they were willing to share how their life was a mess. <laughs> you know, they were fighting with their bosses and they were fighting with their kids and their spouses, but they were getting through it so much better than anybody else I knew around me. And, and the only thing that I could point to was, was the gospel, was Jesus. And it ended up being a funeral was when I decided I was going to get baptized. My grandmother, when I was 
about 14 and I was very open that I don't believe in God, the Bible is a sham, it doesn't make any sense. But I didn't tell grandma, you don't tell grandma that. And she sat me down and she's like, Jesse, I have something really important you have to hear. I have to read to you from the Bible. And I'm like, okay, grandma, I'll sit quietly and listen. But I stared out the window and didn't pay attention. But she read to me scripture from the Bible. Before her funeral that day, I was sitting there. I was like, oh, I wish I could remember what she'd said to me that day. It seems so important. And now I can't remember a word of it. Um, and this had been probably a couple weeks after I prayed, okay, God, if you, if you exist, you got to show me in a way I can't deny it. And I was sitting there and I couldn't remember, but then during her ser the, the funeral service, the pastor started reading from John 4. And it was the words my grandmother had said all those years before. Like I could hear her voice in my head and she's like, I told you to pay attention. And it just was like, okay, you know what? I get it. You are who you say you are. I'm gonna get baptized. I'm gonna start following what you say and I'm gonna try and start walking this path. Yeah, so when Jesse started coming to the CGs, I was snarky in my own head and I referred to them as cult gatherings. I didn't go very often. I grew up sort of in a church-centered family. We went quite often. I did Sunday school. I figured I knew what I needed to know and I'd made my choice. Like, it'll be cool if that's real, but I'm gonna coast on my own power. As Jesse's outlook on life sort of started changing, it was getting harder and harder to deny that it had something to do with this group that she kept meeting with. So I started coming and trying to be more open inside in my heart to what these people had going on. And it took a long time, like it took, it was a very slow process for me to start really seeing that it wasn't an act. Like there was a good message from good people and believing in it was, was helping them in their lives. There was no big like, huzzah moment for me where I I understood that I, I should be a part of this and it will be good for me. It was a very slow, very slow turning over in my heart where just over a period of almost, I think, three years, I started really being moved and, and hearing this whisper that like you could benefit so much from being a part of this church group and being a part of this community group and really reevaluating what it is you think you know about Jesus versus what's being taught in this uh, community group. And it did take a long time for me. There was no fireworks, there was no anything like that. It was kind of like the slow filling of a bathtub, just boring, and it took a long time. But I finally got to a point where I understood that I, um, I am loved and cared for. Family, it's been a fun ride so far, hasn't it? Uh, I mean, it has been amazing to see what Jesus has done. I, I realize, I, you know, of all the people I'm, I'm supposed to say things like this, but, but I'm genuinely excited for what Jesus has done among us over the last 11 years. And I know the last couple of years have been hard. They, they, they have been a challenge for us as a church with COVID and public health orders and, and all the challenges that have come with all of that stuff. It has, been, it has been hard for us as a church to figure out what does it look like to express ourselves, uh, to gather, to be together, to be on mission. It's been, it's been a challenge to say the least, but the reality is that God has been so faithful to us over the last couple of years. He's been exceedingly and abundant, gra abundantly gracious to us. Well, we've seen people come to faith in Jesus. We've been able to start new community groups. We've seen church planters uh, move into the city to want to join the work that God is doing here with us. And, and we're just excited about what the future holds. We're, we're thankful for the past. We're thankful for what God has done. We're thankful for the last 11 years.
But the reality is we're, we're excited about what's next. We're excited about the things that we believe that God has in store for us next. And that's what we're going to do next week. Next week, we're going to, as a church family, talk about what does the future look like for our church? What has Jesus been teaching us over the last couple of years? And where do we think that he is taking us? So family, thank you for your faithfulness over the last 10 years. Thank you for your generosity. Thankful, thank you for your willingness to love and to serve and to sacrifice for Jesus. I look forward to seeing what God is going to do next.